She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the Lord said to them, hey guys, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. Now that is one of the parts that oftentimes is left out of the cartoons, is left out of the representations, is left out of the story. We often forget that here the angels are declaring to the shepherds about the Savior has been born. And the angel's there and all of a sudden a whole host of heaven shows up. Oh, what a sight that was. I mean, it's like all the heavenly hosts are up in heaven. And here, you know, this one gets to proclaim the good news that the Savior is born. And it's kind of like all the others are like, I'm not staying here. Like, I want in on this. And so they're all like, boom, there. And it's like, or however it was. And there they are. And here's these shepherds out there like, dude, like what is so going on here? Oh, what a cool sight. I mean, really, what a cool sight. And listen to what they said. The heavenly host praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest. And listen to this statement. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's a very interesting statement. Because from the very beginning of Christ, the second person of the Trinity being born, this statement is made here. Did you catch? There's a selectiveness in here. Let me read it again. Uh, Glory to God in the highest and on on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. How do we know whom he is pleased with? Who is he pleased with? What is he talking about here? So that means there are some he's pleased with and some he's not pleased with. How do I know if I'm one that he's pleased with? I'm so glad you asked. Because there are four truths for knowing if I am one with whom the Savior is pleased with. Grab your Bibles and let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. I just want to take about 10 minutes and highlight out of Ephesians chapter 2 four truths to knowing. Hey, it's Christmas. We talk about how the Savior has been born. If the Savior has been born, who needs to be saved? How do I know? Well, let's go through these few verses here because uh, I just want to let you know forewarning, it starts out with some bad news. But hang in here. Uh, You know, you can't know about good news until you really know the reality of the bad news. And here's the bad news. Truth number one, I was dead. I was dead. Uh, Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul writing to the Ephesians. By the way, he's writing to believers, followers of Christ. And he says to them, and you were dead. What a way to start out, huh? I love you guys. By the way, you're dead. Or you were dead. Notice in there that it's a past tense. There's hope within this statement. 
He's reminding that the followers of Christ that, listen, there was a time to where you were dead. Wait a second, because they're dead, but he's writing to people that are alive. So obviously this cannot be referring to physical death. This has to be referring to spiritual death. Paul is having a spiritual conversation with these people about the reality of their place and their position before the God of creator of all things. And he says this, hey, you started out at a place to where you were dead. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In other words, another way to translate this out of the Greek is really, and you were dead in your sins upon sins. It's not just like there were a couple oopsies. So sorry, oops. No, this is talking about the fact of the matter is, as he's talking to these believers saying, listen, you were dead and you were dead because you had sins upon sins upon sins. Well, Doug, you're getting really negative. Hang on, Christmas is coming, okay? We got to be true to the text. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. By the way, are you hearing this? Paul is literally saying to these people, there was a time and a place before you came to Christ that you were spiritually dead before God. And look at this, the text, this isn't me, this is the Bible. The Bible says that you were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience. Here's the reality of what the scripture says. The Bible says that I am dead and actually that I am owned by Satan. Wow, Doug, you're like getting happier and happier as we go. Don't we want to know what the Bible has to say? Well, we start out with the bad news because the incredible, awesome news is coming. Uh, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. Hey, folks, I'm just a real guy, okay? Okay. And I don't like playing all the religious, let's just play games kind of a thing. And woo, I'm just a real guy. I'm a normal guy. And here's the normal truth. Every one of us, me and you, everyone, the Bible says, everyone has sinned before a holy God. And because of that, every one of us start out in a reality separated from God because of sin. Yes, he's a God of love, but he is holy. And it is only right for him to judge sin. It would actually not be fair if a holy God did not judge sin. And so we start out with truth number one, that I was dead. And friends, I just love you enough to say, the scriptures say that before God, you were dead too. That's what the Bible says. But it gets good. Because look at verse let me finish verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Look at verse 4. But God. You see, sometimes we want to skip over the first three because it's kind of, frankly, it's ugly, it's nasty. It's, I don't like it. I don't even like having to talk about it. But listen, verse 4 doesn't shine if we don't understand the darkness reality of verses 1 through 3. You see, I was dead, but truth number 2 is that God acted. But God, but God acted. God came and did for you and I what we could not do for ourselves. 
verse 4, but God being rich in mercy, God is a God of mercy. And listen, I just need to tell you, I don't just need a God that is merciful like a little bit of mercy because verses 1 through 3 say, I've got a huge, magnanimous, whatever that word means, problem. And here's the good thing. God is a merciful God, and he's so merciful, he's rich in mercy. He brings the kind of mercy that solves the big problem like you and I have. You see, a big sin requires a big God. And if we don't have a very big sin of sin, a big view of sin, then frankly, we really don't need a God. But the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But verse 4, but God. But God came and acted. He's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, verses 1 through 3, he did the work. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You see, friends, I can't earn it and you can't earn it either. In fact, let's keep on going. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, not by works. Question, I hope this doesn't happen, but if you were to die today and stand before a holy God, by the way, that will take place one day. The Bible says everyone will stand before God and give an account. And here's the question, God in essence is going to ask something to the effect of, why should I let you into my heaven? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 say that your sin has separated you from me. Why should I let you into my holy heaven? What are you going to say? Serious. What are you going to say? Well, God, I, I really tried to be good. Okay, but wait a second, Doug. Let me help you with that because Ephesians 2, 8, 9, in my word it says, and not by works. Because you could be moral and moral and moral and moral. And by the way, Doug, how many moral works does it take for you to earn my favor? Doug, you can't earn my favor because you're a sinner, fallen short of the glory of God. You can't earn my favor. You see, Doug, there's something far better than this. Oh, but you know, uh, but no, Doug, you can't earn my favor. Well, what, what's the answer? First, it's this. God, I have come to realize that I was a sinner separated from you. But then you acted, and you came, and Christ came and died for me. Now, the Bible says that Christ came and died for the world. So is everybody automatically saved? And no, that's not the way it's talking about. What it's talking about is the Bible is saying that God has made the provision available. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Oh, we know about gifts this time of the year, don't we? And when you think about a gift... Now think about that. When is the gift yours? The gift is yours when you receive that gift. Otherwise, it's a gift that's just always there available to you. Listen, God has provided a gift for every one of us. Every single person on this planet, God has a gift for them. And as Jesus Christ, having died on the cross, risen from the dead, paid the payment for our sins, and God just says this, John 1.12, as many as received him, to them he gave right to become children of God. You see, it's not just knowing about there's a gift. It's actually taking the gift, as many as received him. The scriptures go on to talk about how just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. 
1 John 5, 11 through 13 says, and this is the testimony, God has given eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you realize the Bible says that as a sinner separated from God, one day I can stand before God and with humility and confidence say, Lord, I don't deserve to come into your heaven. But here's the deal. You acted and you sent your son, the second person of the Trinity, to do for me what I could not do for myself. And Lord, I didn't just know about it, but I received that. And I said, God, you know what? I was walking this way, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But then I came to realize what you did for me, and I received that gift, and now I want to be all about you. And Lord, I didn't just know about you, but you became my Savior applied. Has there been a time in your life where that's your story? I just want to tell you, it's Christmas. It's a wonderful time. And it's like, Doug, you're starting out so heavy. And it's like, listen, here's why. Because if we don't get this, we don't understand Christmas. And my biggest desire is that you would be able to know, applied, what Christmas was for. I was a sinner separated from God, but God acted. And by grace, through faith, it's a gift, it's by grace, through faith, by placing my trust in, knowledge acted upon. What I came to know, I acted upon it and received Christ as my Savior. And the very last verse, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now listen, here's the deal. We cannot work and earn God's favor. But after we become saved by grace, it's all about living it. I mean, I've gone from being a son of disobedience, terming, talking about a son owned by Satan, to a child of God by grace. And it's like, who wants to live like that when I got this? We have a statement around here. It says, if your faith hasn't changed you, your faith hasn't saved you. You see, the kind of faith that Jesus is talking about is the kind of thing where I'm placing myself from being this to being this. And this requires a life change. It's not just knowing about. It's about having a relationship with. If you were to stand before God and you were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? What would be your response? Here's one of the coolest things today. We get to watch a number of people and hear their stories of how that's already taken place. 